Have you ever heard of the Battle of Thermopylae? The Battle of Thermopylae was the basis of the movie The 300. It took place in 480 BC when Spartan soldiers held back the armies of the invading Persian Empire at the Pass of Thermopylae in central Greece. During the battle, 300 brave Spartans held this pass against nearly 250,000 Persian troops. In fact, they were able to stop the Persian invaders there for three days in one of history's most famous last stands. This small force of seasoned Spartan troops was led by brave King Leonidas, and he knew that holding this pass was important because it was the only road through which the massive army of Xerxes I of Persia could go in order to sweep across his homeland. Since it was a fairly narrow pass, and since these 300 Spartans were very skilled soldiers, they might have held out indefinitely if it weren't for a local resident named Ephialtes, who betrayed the Greeks by showing Xerxes a goat path that led behind the Spartan lines. With the help of this traitor, the Persians attacked from the rear and brought on a pincher movement and finally succeeded in taking the pass. But in this three-day battle, they sustained very heavy losses. In fact, the historian Herodotus tells us that whereas all 300 Spartans died, they took with them over 20,000 Persians, which means that on average, each Spartan killed 67 enemy soldiers. Months later, the rest of the Spartan army assembled at full strength and led a united Greek military force that defeated the Persians decisively at the Battle of Plataea, ending the Greek-Persian War, and with it the expansion of the Persian Empire into Europe. So, in a very real sense, the Battle of Thermopylae, fought by those 300 Spartans, was the beginning of the end for the Persian Empire. I share this bit of history lesson with you this morning because there are times in my own life when I can identify with this battle. There are moments when I feel like I'm holding a pass against hundreds of thousands of enemy troops. There are times when I felt overwhelmed and been tempted to just throw in the towel. In fact, I can remember two occasions when life was so overwhelming that I did that. I just threw in the towel and said, God, that's it. And you know what God did? He threw the towel back. He threw the towel back and said, hang in there. This isn't over yet. Can you identify with that? Are there times when it's all you can do to keep yourself from just giving up? Perhaps you're attacking Persian hordes or your kids. You try to be a godly parent. You try to teach them the things they must learn in order to be happy and productive in life. But raising little ones can be so hard. Plus, when they get older, the messages they hear from their peers and at school and on TV and from other sources, conflicts with your parenting over and over and over again, and makes you feel outnumbered. It makes you feel so ineffective that you think, I'm obviously losing this battle, so why keep trying? It does no good. Maybe your battle of Thermopylae is waged at work. 
You try to make time for God and family, but your job is just endless and demanding, and every Monday it feels like your lines are about to break, and you want to just stop and move to a desert island somewhere. Perhaps you face times when you feel overwhelmed financially. On that day each week when you pay your bills, it feels like you only have $300 holding the pass in your checking account against hundreds of thousands of dollars of Persian bills, and you feel like chucking the calculator, the checkbook, and the bills right out the window. Or maybe you feel overwhelmed by some secret sin that you have struggled with for years, like the temptation to lust or gossip or lie or drink too much or whatever. But this temptation to sin is so strong, and there are times when it just seems easier to yield. Perhaps your battle of Thermopylae is fought against grief. You're dealing with a scary prognosis from your doctor, or you've lost a loved one, a child, a parent, or a spouse, or a dear friend. And sometimes it's so bad that it's all you can do to keep from surrendering to the despair that threatens to overwhelm you. If you can relate to any of these situations, then listen, because this morning as we continue our study of the laws of the kingdom of God, we come to the law of perseverance. Our scripture lesson this morning began with these words. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. In the parable, Jesus tells of a widow who is facing her own Thermopylae, and she needed help. Widows were so vulnerable. They had very few protections legally in Israel, and often their property would be taken from them by unscrupulous, merciless people, oftentimes relatives. And the only hope she has is if this judge will grant her protection from her adversary. It turns out that this judge is the most ungodly, arrogant person that you could imagine. Yet even though he could care less, or could not care less, what other people or God thought, he granted her request so she would stop being a nuisance. Jesus makes the point here and in two other places I can think of, comparing bad, evil men with the good and wonderful heavenly father we have in heaven. There's one case where he talks about a uh, man who has a, uh, a friend, uh, and uh, this man winds up uh, having company come over, and so he runs over to his friend's house, and it's late at night. Everybody's already in bed. The lights are out. The doors are locked, and this guy is wanting to get his friend to get up out of bed and give him some bread to share with his guests that have showed up. Well, this guy tells him, says, look, man, I, we're all bedded down for the night. I'm not going to come down there and give you bread. But because that he knows that this guy is going to keep on pestering him, he goes down and he gives his friend some bread. In the other case, we see Jesus talking to some men and he says, how many of you, if your son asked for a fish, would you give him a serpent? And how many of you, 
If he asked you for bread, would you give him a stone? And then he said, If you then, knowing how to give good gifts to your children, and you being evil, how much more will your heavenly Father give to him who asks? Well, Jesus makes the point here that if a bad, evil man will grant a request to someone who is helpless and asks, how much more can we expect our heavenly Father, who is the source of all goodness, to grant our petitions when we ask? And I think there's a key there whenever he says, ask, and it ties in with what we're talking about today. There's another place where Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And the tense that this is in, in the New Testament Greek, is a tense that means to keep on in whatever you're doing. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. He's saying, whenever you face your thermopolis, don't lose heart. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Instead, pray. Take your petition to God and then hang in there. And I hope you notice that in this parable that Jesus tells us, it's not just about praying. It's about whatever you're facing, whenever you have a need. And it's talking about uh, how whenever you have needs, you need to not give up in asking your heavenly father to help you and not to give up on the fact that your heavenly father is going to help you. Ask, seek, knock, A-S-K. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Now, the word that we translate as perseverance in the New Testament comes from the Greek word hupomone, which uh, would literally have been translated, stand your ground, maintain your position, stick to your guns. In Peter's day, uh, hupomone was mostly used as a military term to describe a soldier like uh, one of those brave Spartans, a soldier holding his position in that narrow pass. And in First Peter, or I'm sorry, in Peter's second epistle uh, to the new Christians of the early church, he shares these words, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and personal and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, 
They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed of his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you notice where perseverance shows up in Peter's list? Well, uh, first Peter says we should add to our faith goodness. Then he he encourages us to have knowledge. And next, he admonishes us to be self-controlled. If you stop and count then, you'll see that at this point, we're halfway. We're at the midpoint in the list of these seven qualities, and then as if to remind us that halfway is only halfway, and that we still have a way to go, Peter says, don't quit, persevere. There are more qualities to put on, so don't close the door on your spiritual closet just yet. When we feel like quitting, when we feel like abandoning our post, we can be inspired to persevere when we remember what life was like for those first Christians. A writer uh, has said of them, they had a cartload of reasons to quit. These people were not having just a bad day, but a bad decade or two. Some of this badness was due to life itself, the usual round of upsets and hardships, sicknesses and setbacks, the sheer brokenness of creation. But most of their bad was due to one thing. These people had said yes to God through Christ Jesus. They were Christians at a time when and a place where that was a dangerous and costly thing to be. And some of you who are listening to this podcast right now may be in the same place. And you know what? Peter is right. The incredible hardship endured by these first century believers is seen in how frequently Peter mentions suffering. In fact, if you were to count, you would see that he does so 17 times in his first letter alone. If you scan through both of his epistles, you can get a picture of the kinds of suffering our spiritual ancestors and some of our spiritual brothers in the world today were going through. When Peter, but here's what Peter was going, what they were going through when Peter uh, wrote these words, starting in First Peter one one and going on through. They live like refugees, like strangers in the world, scattered throughout the earth. They suffer in all kinds of trials. They are falsely accused, blamed for things they never did. They're subjected to brutal working conditions. They're punished for doing good. They are abused and insulted when they won't join the sin of others. They are punished for following Jesus. They are harassed and threatened by the devil himself who wants to devour them. They are surrounded by false teachers trying to mislead them. They are mocked by neighbors who find their faith naive and deluded. They are disappointed with God who seems to be slow in keeping his promises. And the truth is, All this suffering that they were going through would vanish in an instant if Peter's first reader did one thing. 
if they would quit, abandon their faith, or at least stop talking about it, stop sharing it, quit obeying God when it puts you at odds with an ungodly culture, quit trying to live pure and holy lives, quit believing Jesus will return, quit worshiping. In short, if these people would just say, as Peter did, I never knew him, I never knew Jesus, then everyone would leave them alone. The Persian hordes would retreat and life would be easier. But Peter, this big fisherman who had become wise from his own failings and quittings, said, I know how you feel, but don't quit. Don't give up. Trust me on this one. Persevere. Keep on keeping on. You'll be glad you did because eventually victory will come. And that's what the Holy Spirit says to you this day. I know it's been tough, and it is tough, but it's too soon to give up. So persevere. Hang in there. Keep following Jesus. Ignore false teaching and keep living by God's written word of truth. Keep putting on these virtues. Don't give in to the pressures of living in a fallen world. Keep obeying me. John Wesley, the great Methodist preacher and founder of our denomination, encountered many times of refusal and denial during his early years in the ministry, which would cause a lot of us just to throw in the towel, a lot of us to just give up. Let me share a few of these instances uh, from his diary. Sunday morning, May 5th, preached in St. Anne's, asked not to come back. Sunday evening, May 5th, preached in St. John's, Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May 12th, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday evening, May 19th, preached in somebody else's. Deacons called special meeting and said I could not return. Sunday morning, May 26th, preached on street, kicked off street. Sunday morning, June 2nd, preached at the edge of town, kicked off highway. Sunday evening, June 2nd, preached in a pasture, 10,000 came. If you and I are to get an answer, it may take some action, consistent and persistent action. I believe that George Mueller, the great prayer warrior, said it well when he said, the great fault of the children of God is they do not continue in prayer. They do not go on praying. They do not persevere. So why should we persevere? Because Jesus told us to, and he set the example for us. He persevered for us. And if we're going to follow him, we're going to have to persevere too. If we're going to follow him, we can't give up. And as we persevere, somehow it all works out just as it should. It's a law of the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.